Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm just so excited. I want you to come with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 33. Numbers chapter 33. And uh, we're going to read um, a little bit of the journey of the Israelites. I'm going to preach short, which everybody knows preachers say and never actually do, but I'm going to try really, really hard because I want to leave time at the end of service for um, our ministry team to actually come up here to the front and the worship team is going to play and want to leave a good 15 minutes, 20 minutes of time just for you to come forward and get prayed for um, and get some chains broken off of you tonight. But freedom night, again, at Awaken Church, we are determined for you to live free. Now, whether you, I, it is impossible. That's a strong word. I've measured, I've weighed it, and it's true. It is impossible for you to be intellectually honest and read the Bible, believe in the God of the Bible, and deny the existence of demons and supernatural demonic activity. It is impossible. You can't say, I believe in the God of the Bible, and then say, I just don't know that. that. That's all hocus pocus stuff. I'm not into that. I don't know about that. You can't. Literally, like one of Jesus's main missions. People think that, especially in today's culture, people like to reduce Jesus to this love sprinkler that walked around spreading compassion and love dust all over everybody he met. And he did like a little bit of that. But he also delivered people from unclean spirits. Everywhere he went, he cast demons out of people. He healed people. He set people free. That's the God of the Bible. So what are demons? It's a very scary word. Well, the Bible in Revelation 12 tells us that Satan was um, was called Lucifer. He was actually the head worship angel in heaven, but he rebelled against God, wanted to be like God, and was cast out of heaven. And then the, in Revelation 12, it tells us, um, using imagery of a dragon, that his tail swooped through heaven and took out one-third of the stars, meaning one-third of the angels of heaven were brought down and cast into the earth alongside of Satan. And I, we don't, I don't know what that number was. Maybe there was like a hundred angels in heaven. So now there's like 33 demons walking around on earth. I don't know. Maybe there was a thousand. So there's 333. I don't know. We don't know how many angels were originally up in heaven, but one third of them are now here on earth with us cast into the earth along with Satan. That's the biblical reality. You cannot be intellectually honest, read the Bible, say you believe in the God of the Bible and not accept that as true. There are demons that operate in this world. Their purpose, their mission is to encumber you, to destroy you, to thwart the will and purposes of God. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, and a lot of people know this verse, Paul talks about the thorn in his side, and it's not a literal thorn, it's a proverbial thorn. He had this struggle, this thing he just couldn't get over, just, just no matter what he did, couldn't seem to figure it out. Now, it's so interesting, because if you read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says that that thorn was given to him by a messenger of Satan, a demon. But interestingly, it says that God permitted it. And that's important. It's important because God, it, it, it would be not a good thing if God was like, dang it, that demon got to Paul before I could. Now he's got him and I don't. But that's not the case. God is all powerful. But in Romans, it says that God works all things together for good according to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So this thorn in Paul's side, this struggle, this thing that he just couldn't seem to get over was a demon actually attacking Paul, okay? That's what it was. It was a messenger of Satan, Paul tells us. How do demons operate? Well, God is a God of order. In um, Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, it's interesting because that word wages is a Greek word that actually means the, it's, it's almost, it almost means like mercenary pay. So it's, the, it's a paycheck that a, a, a wicked general would pay his mercenaries, his soldiers, okay? And so the implication is that if you are away from God, if you are, have not actually accepted the forgiveness, the grace of God, and been reconnected to the God that made you, you're not just lost. The Bible actually says you are at enmity with God. You are an enemy of God. You actually do not get the benefits of the protection and coverage of the Most High God. And so you are completely exposed to whatever these fallen angels want to do. Now, big question a lot of people ask, can a Christian be possessed by a demon. No, because if you are in here and you are a Christian, you are already possessed by God Almighty, okay? So no, if you are in here and you are a believer, don't worry. Your head's not gonna spin around. You're not gonna throw up and start barking like a dog, okay? Because you are already possessed by the God that made you, but... Demons certainly are going to do everything they can to poke you and prod you and frustrate you and da -da 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 okay? They cannot operate outside of the order that God has set up. Now, I'll give you um, a little analogy. Uh, Katie and I used to live, when we first moved to San Diego um, in La Jolla, we lived on campus at UC San Diego. That's where I did um, my engineering graduate work. That's why we moved to San Diego originally. And so when we first started coming to Awaken Church, it was back when there was just two campuses. There was the Balboa campus and the Bressy Ranch campus. And so Katie and I would drive up. This is back when we had Saturday night services. Anybody remember Saturday night services way back in the day? Wow. One hand. Tony. Okay. There we go. That's a little better. Glad there's more of you that have been around a little bit longer. Um, and so we would always go up to the Bressy Ranch campus for Saturday night service, and then we would drive home. And so we're driving down the five, and you guys know where the five splits and the 805 goes that way, right? So we would always go that way down the 805, down to La Jolla Village Drive, and that's where we lived. 
Well, then after living in La Jolla for a couple years, we ended up moving to Claremont, a little bit further inland from where we had lived originally. And still we're going up Saturday night to Saturday night services, and then we would be driving home down the 5, and I needed to go down the 805 to my new house, but just inevitably, I would just drift to the right and go down the five like I was going to my old apartment. And literally we'd get an exit down and Katie would rebuke me and call me all kinds of mean names and I would apologize profusely and I would say, I'm so sorry, please don't, don't hurt me again. And you know, and then we would we'd turn around and get back on the, down the 805 and, and literally it was like it happened over and over and over again because my muscle memory was so ingrained that that's where I live. But I didn't live there anymore, okay? I had moved. When you are saved, you have a new home. You no longer live where you used to live, but you are still you. And you will find yourself from time to time wanting to drift back to where you don't live anymore. And so think about how really weird it would be if I actually ran that all the way out and I went to my old apartment and just let myself in. And I sat down on, I mean, my couch wouldn't be there anymore. It'd be somebody else's couch. And I just started to eat some, some Pringles and, and watch some, some sports center. That's, that's called breaking and entering, and it's against the law. And so I would be in very, very big trouble, right? You can't go to where you don't live anymore. Now, when you start to do this, when you start to drift back to your old self, you depart. You can depart from the protection of God. You can make agreements with lies that are not actually true and create doorways for demonic activity to begin to henpeck you and cause chaos in your life. Wow. The Lord did not hear my prayers. Okay. On to the phone. Little bitty, little bitty print here. Good thing I eat my carrots. I have great eyesight. And so that's what we're going to deal with tonight. And the title of my message, I think, is Refuse to Coexist. Thank you. Refuse to Coexist. So come with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 33. And so this is um, God giving instructions to the people of God on what to do when they get to the promised land. Now the Lord, uh, starting in verse 50 through 55, now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out. Everybody say drive out. You shall drive out all of the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all of their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Verse 54, and you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. To larger you shall give a larger inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. There everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers, but if if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land 
where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Now come with me in your Bible to Judges chapter 2. So the command from God was, when you go into the land that I have promised you, there are enemies there. I've left them there because I need you to know how to fight. When you go in there, dispossess them. Kick them out. Drive them out of the land. That's what the command was. The command was, get rid of them completely. Do not coexist with the inhabitants of the land. The Israelites did not do that. Okay, and now we're going to read in Judges chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, what the result was. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. My question for us tonight is what have you chosen to coexist with? What have you chosen, whether consciously or even subconsciously, to coexist with? I'm going to give you three quick questions to ask, to ask yourself as we prepare to spend some time just in ministry and just praying. Question number one, what have you made agreements with? What have you made agreements with? And I, I love that we sang that song, My Amen, right before um, I came up. It says, I put my amen with what my God has spoken. Every agreement that's not with you is broken. It's actually a confession saying every agreement that I have made with a lie. I can't believe I'm about to plug chiropractic. Dr. Matt would be so proud. But the, the discipline of chiropractic, the idea is that there is, if there's a subluxation, if there's a misalignment in your spinal cord, then it breaks the flow of nerve communication through your spinal cord to different parts of your body. And by getting your spine in alignment, there can be a flow. Well, that works for good and it works for bad. If you create an alignment with a lie from the enemy, now a flow can happen, right? And so what have you made agreements with? People say things like, oh, that's just my thyroid acting up again. Oh, that's just my blah, 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 blah. And listen to what you're doing. That's just my anxiety. That's just my depression. You're saying my depression, my anxiety. You are confessing with your mouth that it belongs to you. And you have created a doorway. You've created a doorway for demonic activity to begin to attack you because it's a lie. The reality is if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Yes, you are still bound to this body of flesh, but your spirit has been regenerated. You are a new creation. By his stripes, you have been healed. That infirmity and illness and sickness does not belong to you. But then when you say, oh, that's just my blah, 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 
then you have gone against the reality of Scripture, and you've come into alignment with a lie and allowed a flow to come to you. What have you made agreements with? People say things like, oh, that's just how everybody in my family is. Oh, we're all like that. Oh, we all worry. Oh, we all are accident prone. Oh, we all get sick every year. Oh, we all. The reality is, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That you are no longer a son or daughter of your mother or father. You are now a son or daughter of the Most High God. Your genetics are no longer bound by the genetics of your mother and father. You have the genetics of the regenerated Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, defeated death, lives in you. And so when you say things like, that's just how everybody in my family is, you're coming into alignment with a generational curse that is not on you anymore. And that's you driving down the five when you should be going down the 805. And you have now aligned yourself with something that is not true. You've created a doorway for attack in your life. People say things like, oh, of course that would happen to me. Oh, of course that would happen to me. Things like that always happen to me. But the reality is, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are destined for blessing and prosperity. God is your protector. So that must mean when trouble befalls you, it's not because you are cursed. It's because God has a destiny for you that is so big that he's, he wants to develop you and strengthen you and train you for battle. What have you made agreements with? What is the confession of your mouth? And it's not just about what you confess with your mouth. It's what you, your actions can bring you into agreement with things. You guys, anybody know who um, Pastor Mike Connell is? He's like pretty much the world expert on deliverance and demonic activity. And I got a chance to spend some time with him a bit ago, just was really um, dealing with some things in my own life and was like, man, I, I got to get this figured out. And so met with Pastor Mike Connell and spent some time talking with him and just kind of sharing all the ins and outs of my life. And, and then, uh, you know, just, he's like the, this, he's like, like a Christian Santa Claus <laughs> grandfather that you're like, please adopt me. He's the sweetest person in the world. And he just kind of was like, okay, yes, Mike, I, you know, it's, it's clear that you've made agreements with a spirit of control and have a spirit of control operating in your life. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, look, I know you're the expert, but anybody who knows Mike Yeager knows that I'm literally the least controlling person on earth. Anybody that knows me, I just, I'm not controlling. I just, whatever, I'm be free. You do you, whatever, I don't care. So I was like, okay, you know, yeah. You know, da, 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 da. What was so interesting is he began to unpack it for me. My dad um, lived a, a pretty troubled life. And when, when I was a young boy, you know, when, when boys are really, really young, they need the nurturing of their mothers a lot more than they need their fathers. But as they, they grow up and, and, and cross that threshold from boyhood to manhood, they begin to really need their fathers to, to coach them and teach them and affirm them. And, and so at, when I was a little boy, my dad was, was healthy and dealing with, still dealing with all kinds of 
garbage. But then as I grew up, my dad's health declined and he became deeply um, in the throes of, of, of um, opioid addiction that ended up taking his life. And so my dad and I just kind of missed each other. As I grew up, my dad declined. He died when I was 19 years old. And so because I never heard the things that a young boy needs to hear that, you know, you've got, I'm proud of you. You've got a destiny. You, you know, you can do it. I believe in you. I didn't have that acceptance. I didn't have that affirmation. I began to search for it in all kinds of really weird places. And I would actually medicate the pain and trauma in my life with alcohol. And when Katie and I first came to this church, I was a mess. I had a pretty serious drinking problem. And so I would medicate this problem. And so it's what was actually happening was instead of bringing my trauma bringing my pain, bringing my past to the cross of Jesus Christ, which is the only place that it can be healed, instead of bringing it to him, because that would mean I'd have to actually face the darkness in myself, and I wasn't willing to do that. I wasn't willing or able or ready to actually dig back in and, and face the trauma and realize just how sad I was and how, how broken I was over this. Because I, I wasn't willing to do that, because I wouldn't actually bring that pain and trauma and face it and, and bring it to the feet of Jesus and say, will you heal me? And hear him say, I have everything you need. I have the affirmation you need. You are my son. I'm proud of you. I say of you that I've adopted you into my family. Instead of doing that, I self-medicated. And so listen to me. I controlled my pain. I took control of my own trauma and said, instead of bringing it to you, I'll take care of it. I'll deal with it myself by numbing myself through alcohol. And so it's so crazy because for me, a spirit of control didn't manifest itself outwardly where I was like, you go here and you do that, da, 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 da. It actually manifested itself in myself inwardly where I controlled the pain of my past. And so by my decision to not trust God with my past, with my trauma, with my pain, with, with the areas that I feel like I was robbed. Instead of trusting God with it, I took it myself and I said, I'll take care of this. And so I sought to control it. And I made an agreement with a spirit of control and it caused havoc in my life. It's not just what you confess, it's the, the actions that you participate in create alignments and agreements. So my question for you is what have you made agreements with? Question number two, are you living with what God has called you to live without? Are you living, coexisting with what God has asked you to live without? I don't know if um, Charlie and Nicole Goodman are in here, but Charlie and Nicole Goodman were neighbors of ours. They're our connect directors at this campus. They're two of the greatest people in the church. And we had this amazing season where um, the Jaegers and the Goodmans and the Bennetts and the Browns, we all, Chris and Thelma Brown, we all lived in the same neighborhood. And it was like, it was like the 1950s and Sean would come over and ask me for eggs and butter. And then I'd borrow his power washer. And it was, it was awesome. Now, we'd, we'd all um, built, they were all new construction. We'd all built these homes and, um, and they were great. Like it was, I, I loved this house. There was one thing that drove me crazy and it was that in the upstairs shower, the master bathroom shower, it would take like 25 minutes for the water to get hot. And they actually had, it was like a tankless, you know, energy, green, whatever system. I'm like, I don't think it's really energy efficient for me to run the shower for 25 minutes for it to get hot. Surely that's not energy efficient. There was actually like a switch on the wall that you would push that 
supposedly would start like circulating the water. So then you'd wait 25 minutes and then you turn your shower and it'd be hot. But like, who thinks like, I'd like to take a shower in 25 minutes. So I'm going to hit this light switch and literally just never crossed my mind. So it was just always kind of this thing that frustrated me. And it was just always, always, I'd, I'd turn the shower and be like, okay, I just got to stand here for 15 minutes while the shower gets hot. And I was just kind of aggravated by it. Well, Charlie Goodman, great neighbor, just hey, I found something out. You know, you can go into your tankless water heater in the garage, and if you just turn the, the base level temperature up from 140 to 150, that it'll heat up like that. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, awesome, man. Thank you. Wow, that's great news. But then for like months and months and months and months and months, I didn't do it. And I'd see Charlie, and he'd be like, hey, man, did you, uh, did you bump the temperature up on your water heater? He's like, oh, no, man, I haven't gotten around to it. I'll do it. And then I would just keep being frustrated by how long it took my stupid shower to get warmed up. And then Charlie would be like, hey, did you... Finally, I went into the garage. It took me 14 seconds. Like literally, it was like screwdriver, done. There was an easy, simple solution to the thing that was tormenting me for months and months and months and months. But instead of walking into the garage and turning a screwdriver counterclockwise like nine degrees... I lived with it. How many of you are living with things month after month after month after month when the answer is simple? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. That would, I would be misleading you if I told you that it's easy, but it is simple. It's simple. It's bringing your pain, bringing your trauma, bringing your addiction, bringing your hurts, bringing your habits, bringing your hangups to Jesus, renouncing the agreements that you have made, removing your amen from the lies and placing your amen with the truths and promises of scripture in God's word. That's it. It's not easy, but it's very simple. What are you living with that God has asked you to live without. My dad um, cheated on my, my mom at, at, I think I was probably seven years old, and my dad had an affair, and so my mom found out about it. It was a big mess. They actually, they got divorced, um, and uh, they ended up reconciling five years later and getting remarried, actually, which was really, really crazy. But uh, I, I, I grew up knowing about my dad's infidelity, and I always thought and believed and confessed that that was my lot in life, that because my dad was a cheater, I would be a cheater. And I actually told Katie, my wife, in, in moments of, of, of deep um, intimacy and insecurity when I was bearing my soul, I was like, Katie, I'm terrified that I will cheat on you one day. It is who I am. It is my destiny. It's in my genes. And I would say these things to my wife. I would actually confess. And I actually aligned myself with the generational curses of my father. And it caused all kinds of really weird things. So uh, this is a true story. When I first came to Awaken Church, I had this like weird inner vow where I wouldn't have another woman's phone number in my phone book, on, the, on my cell phone. I, it was only dudes and then my mom, my sister, and Katie. That was it. 
And it, for me, it was some weird thing that I thought like, I don't know, like I was just going to have some moment of weakness and have had too much to drink one night and, and text something inappropriate to some girl. And then I, I was always so, I was, was always so weird around women. If I was ever alone in a room with a woman, I just felt so uncomfortable and weird because I had come into alignment with this generational curse. I'd made an agreement what, the, what my destiny was, that my destiny was to be unfaithful to my wife. And then I remember we had, this is way back when we had um, freedom conferences, not freedom nights, okay? We had a whole conference <laughs> dedicated to this stuff. That was wild. And I, you know, listen, I don't want to freak you out or, you know, like when, when demons are evicted, sometimes they, they go kicking and screaming. And again, that's biblical. There's all kinds of accounts of Jesus casting demons out of people. And, and you know, there was a, a boy in Mark chapter nine that was, would roll on the ground and would throw himself into the fire. And sometimes it, it, it can look a little crazy and it's not because God is weird, it's because demons are weird. They're, they're really weird, okay? And I don't want you to be freaked out. You know, it's nothing, nothing wild is going to happen. It's, it's a good thing. It's God setting people free. And so here I am at, at Freedom Conference, and I was standing on the, I was actually on the front row, and this was years ago, before Katie and I were really, you know, like leading at a really, really high level. We were, we were leaders, but still just kind of growing in leadership. And, and I, it was like, as Pastor Mike Connell was talking, my heart was just like, and it's like, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God was speaking directly to me, that it is time for you to deal with this. It is time for you to face this. It is time for you to come out of agreement with the things that you've come into agreement with. And so Pastor Mike Connell was like, okay, you know, we're going to have an, an altar call. We're going to open up the, this space here. And, and if you um, have ever made agreements with, you know, whatever it was, and, and I like knew, sometimes, you know, here's what, here's what people do in church. I'm gonna call all of you out, every single one of you. It's like, you know, it's time for an altar call. Preacher says, hey, if, if this is you, come forward. And you're kind of like. <laughs> and you see four or five people go up and you're like. Nobody wants to be the one person walking up here all by themselves unless you really want to be free. If you really want to be free, then who cares? Who cares who's looking at you? Who cares what other people think? And so I had made the decision. I was so sick of the torment. I was so sick. And listen, my only, not only, one of my greatest desires in life is to get to the end of my life, have been married 65 years, and be able to say with all confidence, never once, never once have I been unfaithful to my wife. Never once have I been unfaithful to my wife. And so I was so sick of this torment and this burden that I was carrying. And I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. I didn't care if I was the only one up there and everybody was whispering about how Mike Yeager was a total screwed up jack wagon. I didn't care. And so literally the second that Mike Connell, Connell said, come forward, phew, I went up. And then I'm standing up there and, and you know, a bunch of people saw me go up, and so then they felt like they could go up too. So it's like 100 people lined up there. And Pastor, you know, the worship team's playing, and Pastor Mike Connell starts at that end. He starts working his way down, and I'm kind of like, just trying to see what's happening to people. Are they, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was I going to start barking like a dog and my head spinning around and making weird squealing noises. I didn't know. I was kind of freaked out. And, and so he's getting closer and closer, and I was like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> 
And then he just said a very, very simple prayer for me. It was nothing crazy. He just said, right now I declare the freedom that comes with being a child of God. I break every agreement with every lie of the enemy. And in Jesus' name, I declare that you are free. And you know what happened? Nothing. I didn't writhe on the ground. It wasn't some crazy spectacle, but literally I just felt weights lift off of me. I breathed in deeper than I'd I'd breathed in in decades, and I walked back to my seat, a free man. Now, my phone is filled with girls' numbers. You want to hang out? As long as it's appropriate, cool. doesn't weird me out because I know that I'm set free from the generational curses that I had aligned myself with. What are you living with that God has asked you to live without? What cycles do you see in yourself just over and over and over again that you just can't seem to rise above? Have you made an agreement that that's who you are? That's your lot in life. You'll never get past it. And lastly, as the worship team comes up with me, Last question to ask yourself is what gods have you adopted? In Judges chapter two, the angel of the Lord says to the children of Israel, I commanded you to go in and dispossess the land. I commanded you to drive out the inhabitants and break down the altars of the foreign gods but you have adopted those gods as your own. And so they will be a thorn in your side. Have you allowed yourself to worship false gods? The gods that inhabit this land. And of course, you know, you'd say, no, of course not. I don't don't worship idols. I don't worship anybody but the one true God. And my question would be, really? Because what you worship, to worship means to revere, to hold in the highest regard. When you worship God, your behavior changes. Who you are changes. And so has your behavior changed? Has your thought patterns changed because of the reverence with which you hold the gods of this world? Do you fight for approval, constantly having to one-up people and even even tell white lies to, to make yourself sound a little better and constantly having to position yourself? Your behavior has changed because you have revered an antichrist spirit. An antichrist spirit is a religious spirit that says that you gain acceptance by how you perform. But the message of the God that we serve is that it doesn't matter how you perform, you are accepted no matter what. And so it's subtle and it may not seem, you know, you hopefully none of you have actual like golden calf statues in your living room that you bow down to, I hope not. 
but it doesn't necessarily look like that. It can be as subtle as revering an antichrist spirit by being desperate for the affirmation of others because you're not deriving your identity from the God that made you. And you are actually worshiping the gods of this world. It's idolatry. And you have to renounce that idolatry, come out of agreement with it. The angel of the Lord said to break down the altars of the foreign gods. And what that looks like here in a minute is you walking up to this altar, confessing it and declaring, I renounce the alignment that I have made with the things of this world. And I align myself with the God that made me, the God that loves me. I am a child of God. And there's gonna be people up here, amazing ministers from our church. Actually, I'll go ahead and invite them up now. Why don't we all stand to our feet? I'm gonna invite up our ministry team and you'll know who the ministry team is because they've got some orange lanyards around their neck. I'm gonna go ahead and invite them up. Go ahead and line up right here, guys. And so here in a minute, the worship team um, is gonna begin to lead us in a song. And as they lead us in a song, I'm gonna invite you to come forward if you know that that's you. And listen to me, please don't leave here the same way you came in because you're worried about what your husband or wife or friend or connect group leader or whatever is gonna think about you. I can guarantee you that all they're thinking is, man, good for them, that's amazing. The devil will whisper to you, doing everything he can to keep you from getting set free. He's gonna whisper things that, that wanna keep you in your seat, but you'll know that God is knocking on the door of your heart because your heart is racing right now. And you know there's something in you that is just compelling you to come forward. And listen, don't be afraid. God is a good father that wants nothing more than, to you, than for you to live under the protection that he provides, to live in the freedom that he provides, to live in the blessing that he provides. And so I love if we just go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm gonna pray for us. And then when I say amen, the worship team's gonna lead us in a song. And I wanna just invite you to come forward if that's you. And you'll know that, that that's you because I believe and I prayed on the way over here that the Holy Spirit would begin to illuminate things in you. That, that above all the noise, above every lie that the enemy may be trying to whisper to you, that the voice of the Holy Spirit is gonna pierce through all of it. He's gonna pierce through all of it. And he's gonna reveal things to you that you need to cast off. He's gonna reveal things to you, areas of your life where you need freedom. And so I'm gonna pray for us. The team's gonna lead us. I wanna invite you to come forward. Heavenly Father, we declare right now that we are children of the Most High God, that our portion is freedom. Our portion is healing. Our portion is to live unencumbered, chasing recklessly after you, after the purposes you have for us, after the adventure that you've predestined us for. So right now, God, I silence every lie from the enemy. Right now, I forbid you from speaking. I forbid you from operating in this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now to hearts. We invite you in to minds that you would begin 
to illuminate. You would show us, you would shine light into the deep, dark recesses of our hearts that we've buried deep down forever, afraid to, to face it, afraid for, the, for what we may see, afraid of the pain that it may cause. But God, I pray right now that you would comfort people, that you would whisper to their hearts that I am a good father. I will take care of you. I will protect you. That everything I have is for your best interest at heart. And God, I declare, I prophesy right now that people are going to leave this place lighter, literally, physically lighter, leaving, walking out of these doors, unencumbered by the things that they walked in with. Freedom is on its way. We declare it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.